All right, welcome everybody. Today's June 13th, 2023. Welcome to the Polymath Project. Uh, today starts our first of a once a month series on what we're calling Tourism 3.0, reinventing and re-envisioning uh, what tourism can be uh, for, for this generation and beyond, how we can integrate people, uh, the locals you know, living in whatever the destination is into the process how we can uh, welcome people in, visitors, and give them a real authentic experience uh, of, of that city, town, island, wherever it may be. Uh, I'm really excited to welcome our first guest you know, to introduce this series and this topic, one of my best friends from childhood, Danny Klein. Danny, what's up, buddy? How you doing, Armand? Great to be here. Great doing great, here. brother. We, we, we miss we miss you from New York. Uh, we, we, we lost Danny from the East Coast to the West. What, how, how far back did you move to L.A.? I forget now. Moved to L.A. in uh, 2005, August 15th, 2005. Pivotal, wow. pivotal moment, great day, beautiful moment in my life. I remember seeing you. I remember seeing you. But I do miss you. But I do miss you and all my all my loved ones. Likewise, man. We, we miss you too. But you know, when it's time to take a journey, as, as we know and talk about frequently, um, one, one has to go and see what's, what's waiting for them. And, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm so excited about where you're at now. And I really want to, uh, I want to ask some questions and, and talk less and let the audience hear from you. So, um, so tell, tell us where you are now. I mean, your background's a lot nicer than my you know, mine right now. Um, so tell, tell, tell us where you're at. Well, it's a jungle background. I'm at the foot of, I'm, I'm actually at the Bay of Banderas, which is south central, west coast of Mexico, about an hour south of Puerto Vallarta. So I'm at a real, a real beautiful place. It's, it's the base, um, it's the base of the jungle, but also where it meets the ocean. And I'm in a small village in the district of Cabo Corrientes. And there are about 250 people in this village and different from Staten Island <laughs> and LA. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. What, why, why Mexico, right? Why Mexico? Obviously, you know, there's the California, you know, side, you know, and then there's, you know, like kind of Cancun and all these different towns that people visit from the East Coast. So when did you start going to Mexico and why did you kind of choose this part of your journey there? I actually started coming down to Mexico in 2010. I was hired to write a woman's life story. Her name is Elena. She became my best friend and one of my closest, closest friends and mentors. She's lived an amazingly empowering life. And so I've been coming down every, during summers, I've been coming down to see her and to kind of have more of a traditional Puerto Vallarta vacation, whether it was two weeks or a month, it ended up becoming longer and longer because I loved it so much. And then finally, we just started to kind of taking trips and I would take these trips with new friends I met, road trips, canoe trips, you name it, trips into the mountains, the rivers, the beauty of nature here. And I came to this very small village and there are a handful of them and I felt the magic of it immediately I felt as though I was in a dream I felt I felt as though I was in a place that transcended time and I needed to be here so that happened actually last summer 
although I came here once before, I didn't quite realize that I was here once before for the day 10 years ago. So there wow. have been two days that I spent here before I, before I felt that feeling of like, this is, this is where it is, where it's going to be. So that's amazing, man. That's amazing. And I really want to come see you there one day. And I know you've extended the invitation. So maybe that'll be part two. Gracias, amigo. Gracias. Now, yeah, man, part two, part two of this recording will be when I come down there. So, so you're in LA for, for all these years. And I know your, your, your passion and your, and your journey as a, as a writer, as an educator, you know, you've been working for a um, wonderful organization called Fusion, which we can get into a little bit as well. Um, you know, as a teacher, as someone that really works and mentors young, young people, you know, um, which is something we share. And I know you've, you've always been involved with youth and trying to help shape them and, and be there for them. Um, so, so when did you decide that, you know, like, what was that decision moment? Like, I'm leaving LA, I need to go here. Was it more about leaving LA or more just about, like you said, the magic of Mexico or just... What was your rationale that this happened during COVID, after COVID? Like, how did that all relate? There were a number of things that there were, there was a confluence of, of things that happened that really created in me the need for an adventure, the need for a change, um, the need for something different. I, I, I was feeling like I, I really needed something different. Um, I really needed um, I needed to test myself. I needed to kind of take a leap of faith. I, I hadn't done that in a while. I hadn't been in a place in my life where I didn't know what the outcome would be. And I wanted to be in a situation like that. I didn't like, I felt like I wanted to do something where I didn't know what would be. That's exactly what I wanted. I didn't want to set up a situation where okay, I'm going to do this and this and this, and then that will happen. I wanted a situation. I wanted the kind of adventure, the kind of voyage where I still don't know what's going to happen. I still don't know how long I'm going to be here. I never set up. I, I never said, you know, I'll be here for a month. I'll be here for two weeks or two days or whatever it is. I just sat myself down and plopped down and said, all right, I'm here. What's up? <laughs> but, but there is a, the way there, there is a moment and it is um, a sad moment and a tragic moment that, that got me here, actually. I had a student at Fusion Academy uh, for about five, six years, and I worked with him very, very closely. We worked one-on-one -on -one with our students, and um, I worked with him after he graduated, and he passed away. And it, it was a tragic circumstance, and I had told him all about this, and as, as one of his mentors, I had told him we shared, we shared dreams, you know, we shared what we wanted to do, you know, the different kinds of, the different kinds of um, journeys we wanted to have. And so when he passed away, I said to myself, I have to live in a way that I tried to mentor him to live. And so I literally could hear his voice. I could hear his voice saying, Danny, you got to do it. You got DK, you've got to do this. You know, so that that was really it. There were a lot of things happening before that, but that really, that really was the pivotal voice. It was, it was my friend Helena, but you know, and then there were some there were some other challenging things I went through um, romantically, you know, there was love 
and stuff that happens with that. But then there was this this loss, this very grievous loss that uh, that got me here. And here you are, like you said, here you are, man, the man, the man without a plan or kind of like it's it's a plan where you're just trusting, trusting the process, trusting your flow. Um, I mean, from a from a perspective of of kids now, because you're an educator and you've spent a lot of time and you also some of your screenplays, many of them, you know, relate to, you know, children and, and kind of, I guess what we'd call entertainment, but really just fun stories, right? Um, how, what's the mentality of the kids in the town you're in, which as you said, what, 250 people? So how many kids does that make it roughly? I don't know, 50 to 100 kids in the town? Oh, no, no, there's more than that. There, there's probably about 100 kids. There might be some, there might be three, 350 people because yeah. when I think about the kids, there are, I, I, um, I volunteer in the school and I actually did that today and I just came from that. Um, there's a lot of purity with the kids. There, there's no technology. If I tell, I mean, there's very little technology. There's one big television where everyone watched the World Cup and the soccer tournaments um, and everyone gathered around to watch a big boxing match. Um, Canelo was fighting, which was cool. Um, but the children have a purity about their lives. They go out and they're in nature. They're surrounded by this beauty and there is no there is no, um, there's no wall, there's no cubicle. There's even the school itself, they don't spend a lot of time in the building. It's, 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 really, um, it's really open. And so they don't spend a lot of time in the building. So the kids exchanges, they really get to know each other. There's not a lot of moving. And so a family has a home here, it's an indigenous town. And so a family will have a home and they'll have it for hundreds of years. And so the kids grow up together, the families grow up together. And it's the kind of thing where one end of the town to the other um, is about a 15 minute walk or a 20 minute walk if you kind of go slow. And that's considered like far away. That's like, if you live that, you know, on the other side of the river, you live in a far away, you know? But the point is the kids are together. So, you know, like back in Staten Island, how, how you guys have that crew and how I'm very lucky also to have the crew that I grew up with. And many of us are still in touch, but it's not common. Over here, it's, it's even, it's, it's, a, it's a closeness that you know, that one can know only by spending this kind of time of, I know this person when they were born, I knew this person when they were six, when they were 26, and now 46, you know, and now some of them 96, you know, the point is they're, they don't know each other out of context. Mm -hmm. I'll say it better. They know each other in a way that's contextualized with every aspect of their life. Because most of the people here don't leave too often for extended periods. So your neighbor is your neighbor. They might move to a different spot on the other side of town. But so getting to the kids, sorry, the kids, the purity okay. of the kids. The kids play in a much different way. The kids play in a way where they, there are no parents two minutes away watching. I've been in New York not too long ago and I've been around little children, a birthday party, two-year-olds, and the parents are right there. You know, the parents are two feet away 
hey, don't Johnny, don't do that, you know, and it's that constant hovering, that constant vibe that I'm being watched, even with a cell phone, you know, let's take a picture now. It's that constant vibe of having to perform and being in kind of like, you know, in the box and on, on a screen to be presented. You know what I mean? As opposed yeah. to over here, the kids, the kids are freer. There's, I, I walked around with the intent of finding kids who have anxiety. I could not, I could not find it even looking for it. I've yet to meet a depressed kid from two to 15 or 17. I have not come across that. And of course, with what I was doing at Jin, which was a school for, for kids who suffered through a lot of those emotional challenges, this has been a breath of fresh air. And I'm asking myself, what's different? What, what is different about this way of life? And how is it that, that this way of life could somehow uplift the way of life from, from our home, you know? But yeah, the kids, the kids chill. And if you want a couple of stories, I could tell you. Yeah, no, I want to, I want to get into that because, um, I, I mean, as we, yeah, no, I, I want to hear it all. And, and I think for the people that will be listening here, um, you know, our context is trying to, trying to rethink tourism, right. And, and, and looking at, I mean, from America, right. In the Western media, right. We, we've been hearing for the last 10, 15 years about Mexico as like a dangerous place and a place where maybe, I mean, of course, there's huge tourism operations in cities like Puerto Vallarta and Cancun and Tulum and all that as well. Um, and so, you know, you, you, you can never, you never know who to trust and listen to. You kind of um, have to go places and see for yourself. So, so yeah, I mean, what, what's, what's the feeling in terms of, obviously you have to know your way around and know what you're doing. You can't have random people showing up into a small town. I mean, is there, is there tourism there? Would you consider there to be like, visitors and people that come through to see different sites or not really in your particular town? In my particular village, there, there is little to no tourism. There's a beautiful waterfall and there are day trippers who come here and they take, take a three, three hour, two, three hour hike to the waterfall, drink their coconuts, eat their bananas that they, that they picked off the tree. <laughs> and that and is that off the tree that you're sitting at right now? Off the tree that's right down down the path. A different shape than any banana I've ever seen. But yeah, delicious. So um no, there's very little tourism. If I tell you that there are I meet very few Westerners, I meet very few people from the United States. I'm the only person living in the village. There are some people, a handful of Westerners who live um in the in the outskirts in the kind of hills but as for tourism in these small towns the answer is no and then they're kind of like the medium-sized towns outside of puerto vallarta one place that comes to mind is called el tuito which is like a very old school western ranch town and you kind of have to be the kind of person that would want to go there it's like a quentin tarantino straight out of that kind of film it's like a 1950s like they film many West Mexican Western movies there and there's a lot of hustle and bustle and it's very, very kind of street. I don't think it's dangerous, but you have to be into that to want to go there. I, so I went there. So 
I liked it. I liked it. I liked it. You have to know, you have to be street smart. And the reality is you could find trouble in Mexico if you want to find trouble. You know what I mean? I mean, there's I no. You, I think you could find trouble anywhere if you want. I could find trouble here in Jersey City, too, if Absolutely. I want to. No I doubt. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, L.A., I mean, anywhere, right? But I'm going to tell you this you know, now. Yeah, tell me. Oh, L.A., I, I've, I've been infinitely more afraid, infinitely more in danger in L.A. It's not even comparable. I'm, I'm supposed to take a trip back to L.A. in the next couple months. I'm, I'm scared. I, like, I'm, I'm knowing, knowing what goes on in Hollywood. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not comfortable. I'm so comfortable in this village. Um, by the way, how's the connection? Am I freezing or are we good? Oh, you're good. You're fine. Okay, good. Um, when I go, I keep my door open like this. There's no police where I live in the in the entirety of the village. So to give you an idea, I have to take a 30 minute speedboat ride to get to any other town, or anything where they would have any kind of infrastructure whatsoever. Okay, so the way the life in the village is is that there's an, honor, there's an honor system that's very, very serious because we're all together. So it's like when someone walks through on the main path, if that person's not giving off a friendly vibe, there's gonna be some kind, like if it's really out, out, you know, out of the realm of what is culturally expected here or culturally accepted rather, then there's gonna be some kind of conversation. I've seen that happen. Someone came up in a horse and it was, he was from somewhere else and he was acting kind of all tough. And I felt like I was in a Western. I really did. And then sure enough, sure enough, I, you know, there was like, there was a little conversation with some of the town vets, you know, some of the elders and they were like, yeah, who is that? Who's he visiting? You know, but I sleep with my door. I don't have a, I don't have a window cause it's wide open, but I sleep with everything open. You know, there's, I've never had any kind of fear. Now, in Mexico and other places, I've, I've yet to have any kind of fear. But I do, when I go to a place that's more open, it, even a place like Puerto Vallarta at night, you know, you have, to, you have to look around and just make sure you're entering a vicinity that, you know, you just kind of have to know what's up. But there are certain things, of course, with, with the cartels, and no one even likes to bring it up here, but to bring it up. What I've recognized is that, of course, there are certain things we know not to get into, right? If I start selling certain things and, you know, purchasing certain things, then I'm leaving myself open for a problem. Outside of that, I feel safe. But it seems to me that everybody here knows everybody in some way, shape, or form affiliated with that kind of life. So, it's so it's it's very prevalent it, it, that is the truth it's prevalent in that people will have a second cousin they know or you know but there's no there's very little crossover there's very little crossover and so for example there were there were there was a moment where there were some cartel people supposedly here and people let me know they were like yeah you know just uh just stay away from that area, let them have their dinner, let them do their thing. And, you know, it was like, but of course, I'm not going to cause anyone a problem here to begin with. The point is, it seems to really, really be the kind of case where if you don't initiate problems, 
then there should be no problem. Yeah. That's yeah. the area I'm in. That's the area I'm in. And just as yeah. a caveat, I have been told that there are certain places I should not hike. I've been told that, you know, but I've never once had a moment. There's just so much beauty and so much to be had. Why would I go there anyway? It's like, okay, you know? Yeah. There, yeah, there are man. a lot more. There are a lot more people. There are a lot more Americans killed on the streets of LA and Chicago every single day than there are in Mexico. I mean, it's just and in schools. I was scared at Fusion. I mean, I was going to school every day, and I'm looking out the window, concerned about all the violence that happens in schools in the United States. I've never been more chill and felt as safe as I do, especially at night. Yeah, man. Yeah. No, you I, feel. Can I, I mean, tell a funny story? Yeah, uh, please. I know I'm yammering, but Go here's a story. It. it was one night late, about midnight, 1 a.m., and I'm writing, and I felt I needed to pace. So I go outside, and it's totally quiet, which is not that common because someone's usually playing a love ballad, even at that time. So I'm walking, and all of a sudden, I hear footsteps loud. And I said, all right, this is where Danny gets kidnapped in Mexico. And I turn around and it was a horse with three dogs following it. And they were on some kind of adventure. The horses roam free here. The dogs roam free. No one owns a dog. Every dog is everybody's dog. And I came upon a horse dog party, but. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've been on a couple of these calls with you when you have your it seems like you're on a farm, you know, but they're just, hey, they're in my backyard, the chickens, the horses. Um, We're all together. That's great. And I'm sure the kids love it as well. Because again, you don't have to go to the zoo to, you know, pet some animals or ride a horse. They're just, they're just doing it, right? I mean, it's part of their education, part of their experience, right? It's, it's, it's freedom is what it is. It's, it's, it's the actualization of freedom. You're not reading in a book. And I'll say this, I never knew that dogs and cats were friends. I grew up on Tom and Jerry. I, I never knew dogs and cats chill out, kittens hanging out with, with dogs. Yeah, I never knew they hung out together. In every movie, you know, because part of the structure of filmmaking and TV shows for kids is that there've got to be villains. Why not make it the, the dog, you know? So <laughs> this, whole vibe, this whole vibe that animals kick it together is something new to begin with. That's that's super cool, man. That's super cool. And and it's I find it interesting. I mean, I know you said like obviously that's a small town. We, we don't need to focus on 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 each village, but, but as you described, the small villages, medium size, and then of course a major, a major tourist touristic kind of city, right? And Puerto Vallarta is kind of like the hub where probably most most tourists from America and, and Europe and, and Canada would probably go there if they were or Cabo, right? If they're like on the west coast of of uh, of the U.S., um, but you did mention the day trippers and things like that. So that's all part of kind of a tourism adventure experience, right? So, so um, that being said, even though I know there's not a lot of infrastructure in your village, um, maybe tell us about it. And you've been you told me a bunch of stories, but like um, some of the hikes that you might have taken, and 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 you know, with 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 locals that are either charging to do that or just doing it probably out of just goodwill, I guess, right? Here's one of the greatest moments I've had here. One of, the, one of the most powerful moments. So there's a fruit stand right when people get here, you get off the little panga and, and there's a fruit stand, mangoes, papayas, you name it. And 
So I'm talking to Vero, who, who runs it. It's her stand. And I told her I wanted to take a hike. I was like, you know, I feel like hiking, finding, finding a new place. Where could I go? Um, she, she started talking about how far and how distant. And my sense of direction is no good. And I don't want to get lost. So I said, I need some help here. You know, could someone help me help tour me? You know, help be my tour guide. She says, yeah, no problem. Two minutes later, she whistles. Two minutes later, this kid comes out. He's three years old, Domasito, cutest little kid. And his mother says, you know, to walk with him. And, and, and she says, yeah, con Tomasito. Va, va con Tomasito, juntos. I said, I said, I'm going to, he was the tour guide. And I said, are you sure? Because I don't know, the culture's different. You know, I say, this was one of my first weeks here. And I said, sure. And she said, yeah, his brother will come too. So his seven-year-old brother comes. <laughs> now on this tour, I got to tell so, you. So, so there's a seven-year-old and a three-year-old. You're, 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 you know, mid to late forties, you know, man, and, and they don't know you all that well, right? And they, <laughs> and they says, okay, here's my three-year-old and seven-year-old boys. They're gonna, they're gonna take you. Yeah, and the kids, the kids were barefoot. And we're hiking on rocks, gravel, sand, leaves. They're, they're like Indiana Jones. They're climbing. They're like, you know, they're, they're, it was amazing. And they knew everything about the nature of the town, of the, of, you know, of what we were surrounded by and how it impacted, you know, like, oh, that's where we pick these fruits. That's where we get the mangoes. That's where, you know, they were just, and they were singing. It, it was so beautiful. They, they knew everything and it was really deep knowledge and they wanted me to know too. And they were so sweet. They were like, how, how long was that experience? Like, was it like an hour hike, a two hour hike? I mean, Oh, it was, so. it was solidly an hour in each direction. And then mm. when we got there, we had coconuts to drink. It was so great. There was this little area where, you know, we had some coconuts and um, yeah, it was just, it was just amazing. It was so powerful because for these kids to have that freedom and for these kids to be so um, empowered and they, and they really wanted me to know. So they would pick up leaves and they would say, Donnie kid, you know, they would be like, do you know what this is? You know, and they, my Spanish isn't too good yet, but they would say all these things and tell me all these beautiful things about the world that they're living in. They wanted to share. They were so proud. They were so proud of their land. So proud of it. It was so beautiful. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. Um, and so, and, and what, what about health? I mean, I think you got there after COVID, but I mean, what did you hear just being in Mexico? I know you traveled a bunch of other times to Mexico, as you said, to the more main cities in Puerto Vallarta. I mean, what was the impression you got or the feedback or your observation of like how people dealt with COVID um, there? Well, this, this was an ideal place to deal with anything like that because, you know, just because of the distance you have from people. I mean, if I want, I could stay in my casita and not see anybody if I chose to. Well, I, I'm in the middle of the village, so that would be hard. But a lot of the people who live here, you know, you don't have to see anybody or interact with anyone if you don't choose to, you know. Um, yeah. I think here, you know, there's no doctors here. That, that's, that's another thing. There is a woman who has a very, very deep understanding of the human body. And she did an analysis on my body 
and I could not believe what she was telling me. She was telling me things that traditional doctors never picked up on ever. It's like the way I was standing, she could tell that because my finger, the way my fingers were spread, that there was some kind of breathing issue that I was having, or at least that's what she was surmising. But the point being, there's an indigenous um, woman who comes through and you know, kind of checks people out, but there's no traditional doctor here. Now, of course, that was cause for concern and can be at certain times, you know, sure. um, because of what we're used to. But here's what I would say. I have every opportunity here to live a very healthy life and a very clean life. I mean, every opportunity. There's sun, there's grounding, hiking. I swim in the ocean every day for at least at least an hour and so there's there's the food you know it's mexican food so you could overeat <laughs> if you want but you know there's the best tropical fruits and vegetables and organic gardens so you could really really take control of your health here in a way that i have found is very difficult in other places so yeah. to answer about health i would say we're so used to, oh, this doctor said this. Now I'm going to go spend the next two months getting 16 different opinions. And it's like, yeah, healthcare could be great in the United States. Absolutely. I've had the benefit of some really great doctors at times in my life when I needed it. But how, but how expensive is it? Like, who could really afford that? You know, who, who's affording that stuff, you know? Um, and that's a whole other conversation, but... Yeah, I, I, no one here, you know, I say something, I say this, people here don't know they're sick if they are, they're probably not, but if they are, they don't know it. Yeah. So <laughs> they're, they're living in bliss while, while, you know. Yeah, and you mentioned there's some elders there living into their 80s, 90s, so I know it's a small sample set, but you're seeing, you know, some healthy, active people, you know, beyond 60s, 70s, still having active lifestyles. There, there are the, the people here that I've seen in their 90s, late 90s. I was at birthday parties here for a 93-year-old, 97-year-old. They're as strong as any other 90-something-year-old I've ever seen. They're interacting in a sharp way, mental acuity, they're sharp, and they're so happy. People here have a lot of joy. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. Um, so I want to, like my last main topic with you and then we could talk forever and we'll, we'll keep going and like I said I want to do I do want to come out there bring my son I think it'd be a great education for him for me you know I'm here in this busy city with the hustle and bustle and it's like we all know that it's important part of travel and tourism is the getaway right the island life the, the tropical life and and uh, weather and and just scenery like what you're in now that you're living every day what, what's your, what's your, do you have a plan as far as how long you've been out there now? Eight months? Eight months? October 5th is the day I, the day I touch ground. Yeah. Day, so eight, they eight months, me. man. Wow. God bless you, man. And, and, um, and you, you seem, like you said, so healthy, happy, vibrant, uh, and you're able to, so A, I want to know, do you have a, a plan in terms of timing or is it just open right now? You're feeling no plan. and going no. no plan. The, 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 I, I think in my humble opinion, the number, the, the, the foundation to my day-to-day -day happiness recently, and meaning in the past eight months, 
has been the removal of planning. That has been my foundational um, health and happiness. And, and what I'll say is this here, here, because I'm recognizing now what has happened. I don't want, I don't want to be planned less. In other words, in other words, I have things I want to do. I have things I want to achieve and I have things I want to contribute to humanity. And so what happened was I'm finding, I wake up every day real early. I'm up at 7.03 every day, which is my birthday. That's why I wake up at 7.03. I wake up at that. I'm usually up way before that, but I'm up and I'm in the ocean. So I'm in the ocean for an hour and even longer, real good swims. I'm eating healthy. I'm writing every morning. I'm writing every evening. So those habits and those things that we tend to plan have become a part of my day just naturally because they're who I am. And, and I, wanted to, I wanted to be in that space where I could say, you know what, Danny's going to be plan free for a while. And let's see what comes of it. It's a blank canvas. Let's see what paint gets thrown upon the canvas. You know what I mean? I didn't want to have numbers on that canvas for when I got here. And yeah. so I'm still, I'm still pretty open. Um, I don't know when. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and you know, faith wise, this is really, because I've had moments where I'm like, shit, Danny, what you don't, you don't have a plan. And then I just say, I just, get more in touch with, with my inner light and, and whatever that means to each of us. I just, I just know things are right. Like I just know this is the most elevated Danny I could be right now, you know? Well, it it feels, it feels like you're living in harmony with some type of plan, you know, call it a divine plan Mm -hmm. or, you Mm -hmm. know, some higher purpose plan. And that is the plan. And that is the plan. So, so yeah, if there was a plan, it was, it was to be, you know, empty canvas, plan free. So yeah, the duality of it is, yeah, sure, that that is a plan. <laughs> That's wonderful. And, and so I know that, again, as an educator and a writer, you know, living in a remote uh, place that, as you said, doesn't have all the traditional trappings and infrastructure, we, we might consider it a bit rustic and and kind of pretty far off the beaten path, right? And, and like you said, it could take a certain personality type to to do that but i mean would you would you advise it like to your friends in new york and la hey you know come out i mean maybe they're not going to come for eight months or be planless but and, and you know people can't do that necessarily but can right. they or can they right like would you rec- would you recommend as a let's say a tourism travel trip like to people hey come out for a week or two weeks and just have the experience um and and you think what do you think people would get out of that Besides what they get out of normal trips going to other like islands, which which are also nice. First of all, I'll say, well, this is not an island. Actually, it seems like an island, but it's not. Um, yeah. But here's what I'll say. By the way, we haven't talked about Puerto Vallarta, which is an amazing tourist spot for all the traditional reasons, but it really is amazing. Um, and one of the reasons Puerto Vallarta is so amazing is that it offers the kind of love boat the love boats kind of mentality you know honeymoon romantic getaway or families but at the same time it has an authenticity that's very close so when you're in Puerto Vallarta you're never that far from meshing with the authentic life there so there's there's 
traditional Puerto Vallarta vacations are sensational. And at the beginning, that's kind of what I was experiencing to a degree. Now, here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. This is not for everybody, but everybody could benefit from this. Everybody. And so how could one not benefit from, from interacting in a, in a much freer place in nature? You know, how could one not benefit? It's like, of course, you know, you're seeing creatures that, you know, I saw an iguana the other day that was like, you know, pretty big. You know, you're interacting with people that you've never, for the most part, you know, that you probably haven't, that one probably hasn't interacted with. So everything is new. You know, even the language here is different from traditional Spanish. It's a little bit different. When you see how the kids kind of craft their own journeys and when you see a group of kids on a canoe and just playing, I mean, to me, it's very, it's very joyous. Group of kids playing with one kite. They have no shoes on their feet. They don't have the economic, um, you know, you know, the po I put poverty in quotes, but, you know, it's the joy when, when you're in front of that kind of purity, especially someone from LA, someone from New York, I think that that's, that could only be beneficial. That could only be uplifting. You know, are the natural settings difficult? Yes, it's hot. There's no AC. There are fans and there's the ocean breeze. So I'm not in a cubicle. You know, yeah. like, you know, people here just got internet and it's very few. I'm happy that this is functioning right now. The internet too is miraculous, obviously. We could even be having this conversation. Yeah. Um, so here's a quick funny story. My friend, my dear, dear friend, Jennifer came out here and there was a, uh, we're eating dinner and we look up and there's a claw. And it's kind of creeping in from the rooftop. There was like a little space between the roof, you know, and, and the uh, and the wall. And there was a claw. And I saw the claw and she did not. <laughs> and I look up and I see the claw. And I didn't want to interrupt what was a really nice dinner. I didn't want to interrupt it. And then I look up and the claw moved like that. And so Jennifer saw it move. And she kind of freaked. She's a businesswoman from LA. That said, yeah, I mean, we had that moment. When you're when you're around a setting that's so naturalistically beautiful, you know, I think it's always good to stretch ourselves. So if one feels like they could do five days in this setting, I would say do do two weeks, you know, do a week, do 10 days. But yeah. someone like you who has a kid. And for any, this is what I would say, this is a serious, for any school in United States, any elementary school, any high school, a trip to a place like this should be mandatory. It should be part of the education. It should be, we're spending two weeks together. We've got chaperones. We're going to these villages, whatever it is. I know a lot of, there are groups like that, of course, but I think you know, it's not about us helping these people. It's about the help that I, it's about the uplift that I have felt. So I think yeah. this should be an intrinsic part 
of anyone's education as a human being. And, and for someone who has a kid who's anywhere between, you know, birth and, and 28, then yeah, it's a great trip. Yeah, man. Well, listen, maybe that's part of the purpose of you being out there that you'll figure later. And we, we've talked about this, like kind of being a bridge between two completely different cultures. You know, it's one thing to visit a place for a week and it's another thing to immerse yourself and move into an experience. So I really respect what you're doing there. I know you went out there, as you said, have freedom to just see what happens and your creative spark and spirit, which has always been there, has felt very vivid and, and vigorous in terms of how you've been working and writing. Um, so it's great to see your creative spirit continue to shine and you're continuing to do teaching, right? Through like remote connections, doing virtual consultations yeah. with, with, with kids that, that are your clients. That's wonderful. You're able to work it's, out there. It's, a, it's, a, it's, you know, there are elements of technology that are miraculous. I wouldn't, wouldn't say I'm an anti-technologist because I coach students, former students from Fusion. We're talking right now. I talk to many friends and loved ones this way. I would say though strongly that the purity of the life around me has, has uh, illuminated my existence in such a way that I do feel now in my life a closer draw. Obviously, I'm here, you know, I definitely feel more of a magnetic pull to this kind of living. And sure, you know, technology is part of my life, of course. But I think the relationships are healthier. I think that people here get a chance to really know someone. I think that there's a certain harshness and a coldness to, to the life I was living in LA. You know, it was just, you know, I have beautiful friends in LA. I love LA, I still do, I love LA. But, you know, there, there's a certain coldness to the big city, there really is. And I never understood that until I was in a place like this. I can mm. never totally understand that theme of like little town, big city, I never really quite understood it until this experience. But, but it's, you know, everyone knows my name here. Everyone knows me. And they knew me in LA too, but every, everyone knows me here. Everyone, I go anywhere in the village, they, they, know, they know Danny from LA. Danny de Los Angeles, Danny, you know, they- Danny de Los, Danny de Los Angeles. That's yeah, that Danny boy, Danny boy, they call you? Danny boy, yeah, Danny boy. They only know me, you know, there's, it's an amazing feeling to be somewhere where no one ever knew you. So I don't know anyone. Remember the first moment I got here, said to myself, I was about to leave the casita to, to go get some food. And I said to myself, all right, everybody you're going to meet right now is someone you don't know. And they don't know you. So you could tell them anything you want, you know. But the yeah. curiosity hasn't been about superficiality. People know from my vibe what I'm about. They haven't asked me like, oh, so who have you worked for in the past? <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's, it's a completely different, it's like feel each other's vibes. That, that's what it's been. Even the children, very close with the kids. That's beautiful, I man. I hope, to, I hope to get out there at some point. And um, thank you for sharing some of this light and vibrancy uh, with us. Um, appreciate it. I know other people will as well. And um, 
Good luck, brother. Keep doing what you do, and I hope to see you soon. All right. That's it. Hey. Yeah, man. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna do part two, part three. We can keep going like like the way we do. But um, okay. I, I love you, Armand, and thank you so much. Love you too, bro. Peace, man.